I'll pray real quick and then we can get started. Um, Lord, thank you for this morning, the opportunity to gather with these people. I pray that we would all be able to encourage one another and that uh, you would um, just allow me to speak truth and to um, help all the, everyone present uh, better understand your gospel and how to uh, share it with others who um, claim to believe it but do not. Uh, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, has anyone here ever heard of the Uncanny Valley? The Uncanny Valley. So the Uncanny Valley is this idea that when you are representing something, the closer you get to the real thing without being right, um, the more wrong it looks. So a smiley face sticker or emoji looks good. We like that. But a robot that kind of looks like a human or like a porcelain doll can look creepy. It's a little, it's close, it looks a little bit like a person, but it's not the real thing. And our brain can see that and we can see there's something wrong with it. Um, within Christianity, you know, if Christianity is the real thing, there's a lot of things that are completely different and untrue and very far from it. Um, I would argue that Mormonism is in the uncanny valley. It's really close in a lot of ways and it looks a lot like Christianity. They use a lot of the same language. They claim to believe a lot of the same things, but they don't. And uh, it should be it should be unsettling. It should uh, uh, clearly be wrong as, as we get to know it a little bit more. Um, so if you ever if a Mormon ever comes to talk to you, they will tell you that they believe in Jesus. They believe that faith in Jesus is what saves them. They'll tell you that they believe in the Bible. They'll tell you that uh, they pray to the same God. They take communion. They get baptized. And they have uh, good families. They are very nice and welcoming people. Uh, they, uh, one of the common um, things that they'll do in their evangelism is they'll take the Book of Mormon, which is an extra book on Scripture and it's not true, and they'll go to different pages and show you that Jesus is in here. And they talk about him all the time, and they say really good things. And they say, if you trust in Jesus, you go to heaven. And they'll say, look, this is this goes with the Bible. This is additional revelation. Um, but when you actually start to dig into it, it's very, very different. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about what some of those differences are, and um, why it's really important for us to be able to know that they need the gospel just like we do. And even though they think they have it, they really don't. Um, so, real quick, uh, let's turn to John chapter 1. And I'll just read verses 1 through 5. So, John chapter 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was... Oh, sorry, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So um, what, what do we learn about Jesus from this text? We learn that Jesus was 
with God in the beginning. So he's with God. He is distinct in some ways, but he also is God, right? So the Trinity is three persons in one God. Um, this is a big thing the Mormons disagree with us about, actually. So they believe that Jesus and the Father are completely distinct entities. So if you show, if if you read this passage with them, they'll say, actually, this is a mistranslation. This is a little bit wrong. What it should say is they are one in purpose. They all work together in things. They are aiming for the same things. They aren't exactly the same person. He's just a physical son of God in the same way that we all are. And, and that's not true, right? That's a big deal. Jesus is God. He always has been God. He always will be God. Um, another thing in here is that all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Um, the Mormon doctrine of creation, and most of them won't know this, but it's important. And you can find this if you look up Joseph Smith's teachings. Um, Joseph Smith taught that all matter, all physical material, is eternal just like God. God didn't make it. It always has been. He also taught that all of our souls are eternal with God. God never did nor had the ability to make human souls. Hmm. Yes. So uh, so matter it existed at the same time God existed. Yes. And the reason okay so, and the reason they taught this is because in the mid-1800s, when Joseph Smith was writing his books and making up all this stuff, the prevailing scientific theory was that all matter was eternal. Um, so he adjusted a lot of things for that. Um, and, because, so, and he claims, therefore, that also all souls are co-eternal with God. Um, which is a big deal also. He says, God didn't create you. God did not make you. He gave you a physical body, but he didn't actually make you. Wow. And that's a huge deal. That changes a lot. But they, they won't tell you. They say, oh, we believe in Jesus. We believe in the Bible. Um, uh, one of the other very important things that they disagree with. Oh, and I say another thing with the Bible. So they say they believe the Bible. Um, and they say it, it's, it's true as long as it agrees with the Book of Mormon. So they say that you know, there, there, are, there are many errors in the Bible. We believe it's true, but it's true with many errors. And like many Christians will say this today also, you know, it's mostly true. It's mostly from God. There's a lot of good truth in it, but it's not all perfect. Um, and that's, that's not what the Bible claims. The Bible claims it's the word of God. It's breathed out by God. It's all useful for us. It's all to be used for, for building us up. Um, so that's a, yeah. Um, yes, go for it. Don't they have their own translation too? So they usually use King James, um, but Joseph Smith did start his own translation and he was murdered before he could finish it, sadly. Um, I say, so have you guys, I say real quick, have you guys heard of Mormonism? What do you guys know about Mormonism? Um, you guys know any of the history of it? I can summarize that real quick. Okay, yeah. Is Mormons, I see some guys riding some bikes around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some white shirts on. Yep. Um, I don't know if that's, is that Mormonism or? Yeah, so that's the Mormon missionaries. Okay. Yeah, so they'll send out 18 to 20 year olds and they'll do their two year mission. They go door to door and they're sharing the Book of Mormon. They're saying, hey, do you believe in Jesus? We believe in Jesus. 
but we believe in, we have even more from Jesus than you do, and you should also believe this. Uh, and that's, yeah, it's very, yeah, bad. And they also called the, the Latter-day Saints? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are the Mormons. Yes, oh yeah. So they've recently been pushing to change, so because many people know the name Mormon, they've been trying to change that and say, oh no, we're Latter-day Saints. We're, you know, Mormonism has too much of a negative stigma around it, so please call us Latter-day Saints. That's a declaration that their prophet made five years ago or something. It's a pretty recent change. Um, yeah. They also, they have a current prophet yep. that acts as the man of God or whatever, yep. and they tell them that they can't drink tea? Yep. What's wrong with tea? So, uh, yes. Okay, so Joseph Smith taught a lot of weird things. So they, it, technically I think he said a prohibition on hot beverages and on alcohol and a bunch of stuff. So no caffeine is the big thing that they say. So no tea, no coffee. And that's a law for them. That's like a... It's, a, it's a commandment. Yeah, you're sinning if you're drinking that. Um, and some even don't drink hot chocolate because it's technically a hot drink. So like they're, they try to be very strict on that stuff. Um, yeah, so Joseph Smith, who founded Mormonism, um, was from New York, upstate New York, and he is a convicted con man who has tried to uh, make fake currency. He was a treasure hunter. He did all, all these things that were not trustworthy before he founded this religion. Then he says, oh, an angel came to me and gave me these gold tablets that were buried here by some guy from an old civilization in North America, and I translated them. Um, and at the beginning, you have the witness of a handful of people who say they saw the tablets. Most of the people who saw the tablets, who weren't in his family, left the church later. It's a you know, very poor witness. Um, but this book makes all kinds of historical claims that have no evidence about major civilizations in North America, that there's no written record, no archaeological record, no nothing there's absolutely no evidence so when when we are looking at any claims that someone's making so like when we look at the bible right um it makes a lot of historical claims and we found a lot of evidence for those historical claims we can you know we see that the bible teaches what is true about that the bible makes a lot of claims about god these claims are consistent and dependable throughout scripture the scriptures all agree with each other We've seen a lot of Mormon theology. There's a lot of conflict, a lot of things that don't actually fit together whenever you actually dig into them a little bit. Um, yes? And, and one thing I heard is uh, black people couldn't be saved until the same year. 1978. Yeah, okay, so that's yes. So another sign that Mormonism is a religion that came out of the mid-1800s is it's very racist at its roots. So in... Let's see, I think it's Second Nephi chapter 15. Uh, I'd have to take a look. So, oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, these are all made up names. But yeah, so the Mormon church teaches that black people were cursed to dark, dark skin because of their sin. Um, and they still hold to that doctrine and say that it's from Cain and all this and they say the same thing happened to people in the Americas um, it's an evil doctrine it's not true 
it goes against a lot of what the Bible says, where God promises to bless Abraham and through him bless every nation in the world, right? Um, God is not a racist God. He made all people in his image. He loves all people. Um, and Mormon theology absolutely spits in the face of that and teaches some really awful things. And up until, up until 1978, um, black people were not allowed to be full communion members. They were not allowed into the priesthood. Um, and I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure that keeps you out of the highest heaven for them, um, which is a huge deal. And that's evil. It's a really awful, like, it's, I mean, it's not true, but it's, you know, it's a symptom of, of a char, you know, a person who made it all up in the 1800s and made it all up based on what he already believed. You know, like within Protestantism, we have uh -huh. Baptists, we have Methodists. Yes. Different groups. Is it different types of Mormon, um, like, are all Mormons the same, you know, uh -huh. when we look at white shirts, is all Mormons the same, or is there any, are Mormons, are they split? Yeah. Different types of Mormons. Yeah, so there is some division, but the vast majority that you meet are in the same church. So there were, after Joseph Smith died, just like any fake prophet, many of the people under him said, I'm the new prophet, you should follow me. And at that time, there were many divisions within the church. The biggest one moved to Utah with Brigham Young, and they're now what we consider the Mormon church, but they're still like Mormon traditional fundamentalists that still practice polygamy. A lot of them live in North Mexico in these compounds because there's no law there. Um, so where, where? North Mexico. So I don't know, on the news a few years ago, there was a Mormon family that got killed by some cartel and it was in Mexico. It was very confusing for a lot of people and it's because they have their compounds up there because they can practice polygamy and all that stuff without the government interfering with it at all. Um, and one thing that many Mormons will say when they talk to you is they say, hey, we are unified. We, we have a prophet that we all listen to, and we have the 12 apostles, and we have the quorum of the 70. Twelve apostles live today? Yes, it's, it's awful. It's so bad. That's all, yeah, they believe in modern prophets. They believe in modern apostles. They believe in modern revelation, which is why in 1978, God can say, hey, black people can join the church now. And it's like, well, maybe they always could, and you're just lying about everything. Um, so they'll say like, hey, you know, you're a Baptist, down the road is a Methodist, down the road is another kind of Baptist, there's a Presbyterian, there's a Catholic, whatever. Um, a lot of my work with Mormons in Northwest Arkansas was with a Baptist friend of mine. So it's like, they were shocked when it's like, oh no, he's Baptist, I'm Presbyterian. We're able to work together because we agree about the gospel. And that's like the core, that, that, that's the essential stuff. And we agree about the scriptures. Um, and that just shocked them. They had no idea. They thought the church was much more divided than it was. Um, I'd say, oh yeah, yeah, go for it. Well, what? Uh, well, I was going to transition to another thing real quick. If you have a question about that. Well, are there any Christian Mormons? It is technically possible that some number of people have a true faith in Christ because they don't believe actual Mormon doctrine because they accidentally read the Bible instead of Mormon stuff. Because they do have the like they do have the King James Bible as part of their text. But you cannot believe Mormon doctrine and be a Christian. So Lord willing, some people, you know, don't read this and don't understand it and do read this and believe in the real Jesus. But you cannot believe Mormon theology and be a Christian. Um, so, yeah, which is a big deal. It's, it's pretty important. One of the other things that the Mormons promise is if you're good enough, you can become a god one day. Um, this is bad. This is really bad. 
um, one thing that my roommate and I realized partway through this is like, this is the first temptation that mankind was presented with. Eat this fruit, you will become like God. And the Mormons come along and say, hey, join us, you will become God. We've been tempted by this from the very beginning. This is how we fell into sin in the first place. And um, we need to just watch out for that. It's very tempting. It's tempting today just like it was back then. People want to hear that they can become a god. That, that sounds great to me. It's evil. That is evil, right? That is, a, that is an evil desire in me to have power, to have all this control. Like, we have a good god. We have the perfect god. And we can trust in him and his word. Um, so, I think there's another thing I was going to... Do you have any questions about anything? There's all kinds of crazy stuff. Have you heard anything? Yes. What specifically? General. Yeah, so like, in the, so part of the reason Mormonism is, is spreading a lot, is appealing, is they have really strong communities, really strong families. They, you know, they um, work really hard, they take good care of their kids, they, you know, emphasize education and all these things. They look good on the outside. They look good on the outside, yeah, whitewashed tombs, exactly. They look good on the outside, and that's part of, like, they openly say that. The reason they wear the white shirts and they have the name tags and all that is so that they can look good to the world. And like that's, and they say that's part of their evangelism and all that. Like, it's an active part of all of that. Um, but, I'm trying to see, so, what do you mean specifically, though? Just, they believe in... The family dynamic, what would that look like? Like, as I, far as just, you know, like, polygamy or, you know, the wives I got you. So it's definitely very, it depends on each household, um, but it definitely leans very patriarchal, um, and it often gets very negative, I'd say. So polygamy is no longer practiced. The church officially banned polygamy in the 1890s so they could become a state. God revealed that they should stop doing that because the U.S. government told them to stop. Oh, nice. um, which is very convenient. They have a lot of very convenient revelation at, at convenient moments. <laughs> God, yeah, God shows up to change the rules um, all the time. But so they believe that family. Yeah, I'd say so. It depends on the family. A lot of them really are loving, caring fathers and mothers and husbands and wives and all that. It definitely leans very traditional, patriarchal. The husband is the head of the house. Um, they believe that when you get married in their temple, you are eternally sealed. So you are married forever. So when you die, you both will stay married. And if you've been good Mormons, you can, you can have more children to populate your own world to be their God. Um, now how this fits in with a bunch of other things they believe is very confusing because they haven't really mapped it out very well. But that's what they believe. So like ma marriage is essential to become a God as well as certain other things. So they, oh sorry, yeah, that's another book. So they believe that we have a father and mother God. So we are the spirit children of father and mother God, and they came, or not they came, you know, they, they used to be people on another planet. Um, so one of their, one of the more evil statements that they will all affirm, if you meet one, is, as man is, God once was. As God is, man can become. Oh. So they say, God used to be a man on a planet just like us. 
and he worked his way up to become a god. And then he had all of us, and if we work hard enough, we can become a god like him. Um, which is, again, evil, right? Scripture teaches us that there is one god, um, and because of that also they technically believe in an infinite hierarchy of gods that goes on forever because there is no first. There's all kinds of problems. Um, yeah. Is, do they say that Jesus is Satan's brother? And yes. Because how, yeah. how does that work? So they say that we are all brothers and sisters. So Father God and Mother God had many spirit children who they in some way embodied through their union. Um, and we were all in heaven with them before coming to earth. And the two best of those children were Satan and Jesus. And um, Father God said, oh, I, I uh, what is it? I want to, like, I, I'm trying to figure out a plan of salvation for my children or something. It, it's, it's, it doesn't fit together very well. But basically, Satan comes forward and says, hey, you can make all your children faithful and make them all be loving and believe in you. And you should do that so that they all worship you and they can stay with you. And Jesus says, no, you should send them to earth and test them and give them free will so they can choose to obey you or not. So their love is more real. Um, so, but yeah, so they believe that we were with, with God in heaven, that we were sent to earth, that we forgot that. We're being tested now, and if we're good enough, we'll go back. So, what do they think about the cross? They think that uh, Jesus died for sins. So they think, yeah. But they also say, by grace you're saved after all you can do. Yes. If you, yeah, after all you can do. So I, and I think, and again, they're not systematic. So like trying to nail down exactly where those lines are is complicated. After all you can do is exactly right. Um, so they'd say, oh yeah, you're forgiven for your sins by faith. But you've got to work to become a god. Um, so, you know, you can get into, so there's three, so they believe in three levels of heaven and the outer darkness. They don't really have a doctrine of hell. It's kind of weird. Um, it's very modern, right? Where like modern people are trying to get rid of hell. They're trying to say, oh no, you know, pretty much everyone goes to heaven. You don't really have to believe in Christ. You don't, you know, you can be good enough. And the Mormons very much teach that. If you're a good person, even if you've never heard of Jesus, you can go to heaven. You can go to a good heaven. Um, so... They believe in the celestial, terrestrial, and celestial heavenly kingdoms. And if, you're, if you've been married in a Mormon temple and gotten baptized and done your mission and tried your hardest and done all these things, then you can go to the celestial kingdom and you're on your way to becoming a god. And then there's the other kingdoms where which, you know, you're, you're distanced from God in some way, but you're not in the outer darkness. Like You have some presence of God. It's really bad. You know, it's a lot of working your way up. Oh, you know, you can get into heaven by faith, but you got, you know, you you don't want to be in the bad heaven. You want to be in the really good heaven. So you have to keep working, and that's part of the reason they're such nice people because they think they're earning that with every little thing they do. Um, so, yeah, and then the with the outer darkness and stuff, they they they're like, oh yeah, basically no one goes to the outer darkness, almost no one. You, they say you literally. So sorry, one step back. So we had our pre-earth life, you know, we're hanging out with God. God's like, hey, go down to earth. I'll test you and make sure you're good and come back. After you die, um, before the judgment day, you either, your spirit goes to either spirit paradise or spirit prison. In quote, those are their official names. 
If you've been a good Mormon, you go to spirit paradise to wait judgment. If you've been a bad person, you go to spirit prison to wait judgment. The people from spirit paradise are able to come to spirit prison and baptize people and share the gospel with people. So if you come to faith and do the good things here, you can still go to the good heaven. And they say the only way to go to hell or the outer darkness is if even here you say, oh, I still don't believe all that, and then whatever. So it's a very modern, very American view where there's basically no wrath of God, there's basically no justice, and you can earn your way to heaven. And that's really, really bad. Um, so, but yeah, and there's all, yeah. Is it? Yeah, are there any other questions about any of the history or anything? Yeah. Is Mormons, are they only in the United States? No, so they're everywhere. Yeah, so Mormons are all over the world. They did their first missionary work to England early on in the church, but they are now in every country where they're allowed to go. So, um, I mean, I ran in, so, well, yeah, they're in every country they're allowed to go to. If, you're, if they're open to missionaries, then they'll send them. Um, and if they're open to philanthropic work, so like refu you know, refugee aid or something, they'll send people to do refugee aid but not share the gospel, well, the false gospel. Um, because they believe that basically everyone goes to heaven, they put no effort into reaching the, the unreached. So if it's a country that prohibits evangelism, a country that prohibits mission work, they don't even try to send people. They, no one tries to go, no one, you know, they don't care. Because oh, if you're good, you'll go to heaven anyway, it'll be fine, we'll baptize you later, you know. Um, in the afterlife. In the afterlife, exactly. And like, my, so my roommate, who I did all this with, is a missionary in North Africa now. So he's, he's in a hard place where missionaries are not allowed to be. And at some point we were asking him, like, hey, like, why don't you go to the hard places? Why don't, you know, if they, if they need this to get to heaven. And they just laughed. Like, now, not everyone would do that. And they take, you know, some take it seriously. But some of them just laugh, like, why would I go do that? Why would I risk these things for, you know, they'll be fine. I don't need to do that. So, yeah. I heard the Mormons don't vote. Uh, they, they do vote. They are active in politics. Joseph Smith ran for president back in the day. Yeah, and their 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 prophet is usually called the president, which is kind of weird. Um, was, it, was it Mitt Romney or was a Mormon? Mitt Romney was a Mormon. Yeah. Who is it that uh, Mennonites or German Baptist? Okay. Yeah, some of the like uh, the Amish, the people who don't use electricity and stuff, often are the people who don't vote also. So. Um. What what does what, uh, what does your background look like with um, you know evangelism and uh -huh. um, have you ever witnessed uh, a Mormon before? What what was that like? And um and mm -hmm. what can be some helpful things for us in better engaging Mormons as we see them kind of in the community? So uh -huh. what's your experience and also what can be helpful for us as we try to yeah. engage? Yeah, I'd say. Evangelism to Mormons can be really tricky because they'll tell you over and over, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I believe the Bible, I believe in Jesus, you know, we're all just trusting in Jesus, I have the prophets. Um, I think some of the things that seem to strike them the most were church unity, the fact that, you know, the Baptists and the Presbyterians and, and you know, all of us who are affirming the true gospel are actually united in this. And we're with, we have the 2,000 years of church history behind us, but we are working together for God and his kingdom. Um, so that definitely was a surprise to them. I'd say maybe the most important thing to try to do is 
um, make it clear to them that we aren't in the same camp. Because they, they really believe they're Christian. Like, they've been taught their whole life, you're a Christian, you're a Christian, you're a Christian. The Bible's mostly true. They're just deceived. We'll win them over. We're all Christians. We're all on the same team. And it's really hard to establish that. Like, that takes time. And it takes stuff like John chapter 1, where it's like, hey, you know, you say we've mistranslated that. Maybe. But we believe it like this. And if we believe it like this, and you believe it like that, we aren't the same. And, like, that is, like, you need to establish that you do not believe in the same Jesus. And you can say, hey, maybe we are the wrong ones. But at least we have to all acknowledge that we're not the same. And until you've done that, then, you know, you're, you're going to have a really hard time making any progress. Because they're going to be like, oh, no, we're the same, we're the same, we're, we're Christians, we're in the church. And um, as time goes on, it looks like more and more Christians don't know the difference as much. More and more people in the evangelical world don't know the difference. Um... And we just have to be super clear about that and about who God is and about what God expects of us in our worship and, you know, what you know, human evil is like and the fact that we want to become gods by nature. We want to be our own lords. We want to do whatever we want to do. And we need to submit to him and his word and, and his revelation. Um, I think that something that can help also um, is uh, delicately and cautiously bringing up some of the old things that the church did that were bad. Because um, a lot of them don't get taught about it. A lot of them don't know. Um, now, we need to be careful. Just because, like, this is their whole worldview. This is their parents. This is probably their grandparents and great-grandparents. Um, if they leave this, like, they're out of their community, their church, their family might disown them. It's not uncommon. Like, it's, it's super serious. Um, one of the only ways to go to the hell, in their view, is to leave Mormonism. Like, that's one of the ways they try to keep you in the cult, is say, like, hey, you know, the more Mormon you become before leaving, you know, the more likely you are to go to hell. Um, because you've had the most truth given to you. So, it's, it's, uh... And they've been taught also not to question their faith, not to do all, you know, so we need to, we, but it is, we need to ask them hard questions. Be like, hey, you know, you guys taught this, like, do you believe this? Is that, does that make any sense? Is this good? Would God reveal this? Um, and it's, yeah. So, and, and the posture a lot of people have taken, and myself a while ago, is, um, some try to, like, dunk on them theologically. Some try to, you know, make fun of them some. And they're, like, and it's easy to make fun of them. They believe a lot of crazy stuff. Like, it's, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Book of Mormon, the musical. I don't think I can recommend it. I haven't seen it. It's, it's, it's not, but it, it's true. Like, there's a lot. Of, so the reason I started researching all this, I had a good friend in high school who was Mormon. One of my favorite teachers was Mormon. And I hear all this stuff like, oh, they have magic underwear, and they believe Jesus sailed to America. Not sailed, actually. They believe Israel sailed to America. They believe Jesus came to America, and all these things, and all these gods, and mother god, and you can become a god. I'm like, surely it's not that crazy. Like, I need to research it. And it's crazier than that. The more you dig, the more weird stuff there is. Um, so, it's, but, you know, we need to be careful. We need to share truth. Yeah. Uh, with caution and, and build those relationships over time. Um, and yeah, the first thing is just making sure they know that we're not the same. Because a lot of them just don't know that. So, 
So is it, um, as we're trying to witness to them, mm-hmm. um, you know, are they taught like, hey, if they disagree, you must leave that home right away? Like, are they free to engage? Can we engage back with them? Uh, so, so we can know how far to go, you know, and, and not. Yeah. Yes. To not run them all, you know. And, yeah, so I'd say it's different with friends versus missionaries for sure. Okay. So yeah, where friends like are free to visit and do whatever and all that, where like they won't get rotated out and all this stuff. The missionaries are advised, like if you push back too hard, just to say like, hey, you know, we're not, you know, they don't want their faith challenged, so they'll move on. Oh, it's so weak. It's so it, it's just enough to trick the average American who's never read his Bible and you know doesn't know what it teaches about anything. So they, they have some, and I've met some that are actually pretty solid, well solid, you know, that are able to answer questions for a while, but it really does, like once once you dig in a little bit, it all falls apart. Um, and I guess one important thing is they, they for sure will not want to talk about any of what they call the deeper doctrines uh, in like the first couple meetings. So, um, Anything about like the, you know what God has a physical body and is living on the planet Kolob, where it spins slower. So one day here is a thousand years there, and all that. Like they literally believe that. That's in the Pearl of Great Price. That's one of the deeper doctrines. You you know you have to kind of er- relationally earn that conversation, right? Like that's they don't like to talk about that as much. Um, but they're more than happy to talk about who they believe Jesus is, and that's where you know we could share who we believe Jesus is, and that's. The more important conversation to have in a lot of ways and the fundamental crux of the distinction so and that's the big thing that separates a lot of the cults from the church is they change who god is they change who jesus is um, and we need to know who he actually is so we can share that so i don't know it is tough though because if you push back too hard immediately especially they'll just say like no never mind here's that read it um but you know, what, one thing you can do actually that helps build, um, and this is not required by any means, I would say, because it, it's, is they'll say like, you know, they'll say, hey, you know, I, so almost every Mormon will have this testimony saying, hey, I was reading the Book of Mormon and I prayed that the Spirit would show me that it's true. And they experience what they call the burning in the bosom. Um, so that some feeling that this is the real thing. Um, and every Mormon will have this, every Mormon teaches it, and the Mormon missionaries will tell you, hey, look, we just want you to read this and pray that prayer. Um, this is not a true book, so we don't need to fear doing that. And it's, it is an opportunity that my friend and I took to say, hey, we will read this and pray that prayer, as long as you read the Bible and pray that prayer, and ask God if this is actually what's true. Because, you know, this, yeah, go for it. Could you read the prayer too? It was short. It's not a specific, it's just saying like, uh, God, please reveal, you know, is the Book of Mormon true? I'm going to read it now and, you know, give me some experience if it is, right? And uh, basically every Mormon has that. They've all been taught to have that since they were little kids. Um, and that's like the root of a lot of their testimonies is personal experience. And that's a lot of the Mormon faith. Um, so it's an opportunity to say, hey, you know, could you read just the Bible and tell me if this, you know, if, if you read it and pray that prayer also. And like, Lord willing, the Spirit will open their eyes through that also. And we need not fear reading this, right? This is not true. This is not of God. Um, so, yeah. 
I don't. Do you have any question where you look at something off or? No. Gotcha. Yeah. How would you? Well, how would you reconcile a scripture that talks about be wise concerning uh -huh. good, but naive concerning evil? You know. Yep. How would you reconcile uh -huh. praying that prayer and reading the Book of Mormon? Yep. Compared to that scripture. Yeah. No, that's wise. I'd say. Because like a, a baby Christian could get confused. No, and I would not tell a baby Christian to do that. That's true. I would not. I'd say if you're if you are solidly grounded and you are desiring to reach out to and share the gospel with Mormon friends, family, neighbors, missionaries. Um, but I said there's definitely I, I'd be willing to ask Creston if he thinks it's a bad idea. If it's a bad idea, it might be a bad idea. It's, you know, what do you think of that? Where it's like, hey, I'd be willing to read some of this and pray if you're willing to read the Bible and pray. You know, like what do you think of that? Because it's like I. I have mixed feelings about it at this point. Yeah, I was down you know, there. I've, I've, I've heard that in, in a way of, hey, you know, you know, and I have mentioned before, I have said in the past, I'm saying, I mean, I might have been wrong. I'm not, I have said, hey, a Jehovah's Witness, hey, that I read this and, and you'll read this, read this, we read this together, read uh -huh. this together. Yep. And, um, and I'll be careful, especially yep. to recommend it from, to every, yep. everyone, because some people might just be. Little bit younger in the faith, and um, it can probably be too much for them. But yeah. I probably won't recommend to everybody, but someone's probably more seasoned on the kind of reason in, in the scriptures and work through the scriptures. So I, I'm kind of iffy as well. Yeah, I go back and forth a little bit. I think I think one positive thing. So it is it is a cult. It's not true. They do actually think their church thinks the Bible is mostly true. So they generally will be willing to read the Bible with you. Um, so you can take them to John chapter 1. You can take them to Ephesians or to other places in Scripture that talk about Christ and who he is and what he's done. And Lord willing, God will use that to open their eyes to the truth of the Scriptures alone. Um, and faith in Christ alone is the way that we are saved. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a very different worldview that they hold. There's a lot of... A lot of it takes a while to build those bridges and figure out how to get across them, and it's different for different people. Different Mormons will have different places that they are questioning, and different things that they're wondering about, and different, you know, things that they think are wrong. And like, and I and I will say, like, their prophet was a charlatan. We have tons of evidence that he lied about a ton of stuff. The books that he wrote have no historical evidence. There's no evidence that any like anything that he wrote from existed. There's no evidence anything he wrote happened existed. There's and the things he teaches about God are not coherent logically. They're not consistent in his own books. They're not and they go completely against what the Bible says. So there's a, all kinds of weaknesses at every level of this, and it's hard to know even where to begin sometimes when you're sharing with people and 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 it's very personal for a lot of them. So yeah, what were you gonna say? Well, as modern-day prophets, have they ever prophesied something that didn't come to pass? You know, recently? Yeah, so recently, I'd have to check. They've gotten much more tame, right? They've gotten much more careful making declarations. They more will say, I have gotten together with the 12 apostles, and we've all agreed that we should build a temple in Kansas City. And that's their new revelation. Okay. Or we feel led to make the church service an hour shorter because no one's attending. Or, you know, whatever. So, and, and they're able to, which is a, re a real thing. So a few years ago, 
Again, this is where like they they make a lot of pragmatic revelations. So it used, so the Mormon Church is very structured, top to bottom. Every single church teaches the same thing and does the same things every week, everywhere in the world. Um, and it used to be three hours every Sunday, like really long, and their attendance numbers were going down. So they had a revelation a few years ago. Hey, we're going to shorten the worship service by an hour so that you can have more time with your family on Sunday to worship. And like, it's just, there's all these little things where it's like, hey, you guys really want this, so we're going to feel inspired to give it to you. So, but as far as modern revelation, they don't do as much stuff as they used to. They, at one point they said Zion is in Ohio, and they said Zion's actually in Missouri, and they said, no, 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 wait, we get it right this time, Zion's in Utah. But like, and that's one of the big examples where they've done that over and over. But the bigger thing is, you know, their histories, and they don't predict future stuff very often. Um, so, yeah, that's a good question, though. They, they, they still claim to have a former prophet. They claim that that prophet has succession from Peter. Wow. Um, so, they, yeah. Uh, when you finish that, I got a question. Okay. So, one important thing. So, they say the Bible's not translated right, right? They say it's not true. They claim, one of their claims is that there was the great apostasy. So there was a moment, all the apostles died, and they say, none of the apostles passed on the true faith. Zero. None of them. And it's like, they, and, and all the things they wrote were intentionally mistranslated later by, quote, some Jew. Um, and it's like, there's no textual evidence of this. There's no historical, like, there's no evidence that this great apostasy happened ever. There's no documents. There's no, no one until Joseph Smith said this happened, right? And if you ask them, like, do you know why this happened? Do you know how this happened? They got, they have nothing, because it doesn't make any sense. Like, why don't you think this could happen to you? How do you know you've held to it if the apostles did? Um, and they don't have good answers for those either. So, but that's part of why they believe the Bible. They say, oh, you know, the whole church apostatized until 1825 or whatever, when Joseph Smith got the real revelation, restored it. So, but yeah. Um, what, um... What other, you know, you mentioned John 1 as a unique text to show you, you know, we're uh -huh. not the same. Any other recommended text in the Bible that off yeah. the top you might can uh, yeah. recommend? Any other person you recommend that kind of just speak like get straight to, hey, mm -hmm. we're not the same? Any other verses? One that we talked about a lot, I have to find it again. It's in, I think, First Corinthians, where it's like, it's all by faith that none may boast. Um, I'd have to check. You, you know what I'm talking about? Is that Ephesians 2, 8, 9? There are two places where it specifically says that none may boast. The one that we went to, I think, was more in Corinthians, but I'd be happy with either one at the it's, moment. It does talk about both. But it, it, the Corinthians 1. Yeah, at least it's, it's of faith and not by works that none may boast. Yeah, this is a big yeah, thing. Ephesians 8, 2, 8, 2, 8 through 9. Okay. And I think it does say something similar in in First uh, Corinthians at some point. So, yeah, so for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that none may boast. What's that? Being a work center. Exactly. Well, 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 I would love to hear, yeah. they would say they agree with God's word, so they would agree with that verse. I wonder how would they interpret that verse? Yeah, well, I think that they would say, they would say, oh, like we believe that we are saved by faith and not by works. And I would say, no, but you believe you go to a better heaven. You become a god because of your works. 
And the First Corinthians one's more important, where it specifically gets rid of all works. I, it might not be First Corinthians, but um, one thing we emphasized a lot in our meetings is like this idea that no, no, God calls you, God, God elects you, God calls you, God grants faith to you. It is His work, and He's the one who gives you the grace to grow in godliness, and He's the one who saves you. What's that? Yeah, and it's like he is the author and finisher of faith. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Um, and just saying like, hey, like it's all of God and it's so that he gets all the glory. Like if, if I earn anything, I can boast in what I earned. If it's my good works, if it's my mission work, if it's my marriage, if it's whatever, I have something I can boast in. And if we, all the glory should go to God. It shouldn't go to us. And that's definitely something that the people we talked to did have to wrestle with, where it's like, hey, are you guys getting glory because you're earning your spot as a God? Even if you get forgiven for free, like, your earning is glory to you. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, and then I'd say the other thing would be Galatians, where it's specifically talking about salvation by faith alone. Um, and how the church went back to the Jewish laws and was trying to earn things and trying to say, you have to live in this way to be right with God. You have to do these things and saying, like, no, that which was begun by the Spirit will be finished by the Spirit, not by works of the flesh. Because um, they believe, oh, yeah, the Spirit begins it. The Spirit can forgive you. But it's your works that will make you a God. It's your works and your marriage and your children and your, your mission work and your conversions that make you into a God. So it all begins with the Spirit and ends with the Spirit. Um, yeah, does that make, I think that those are some of the main ones. So, yeah, are there any other last questions about anything? That was kind of a scattered, it's a, you can go forever on all this stuff. Did you just go Mormon or you just said No, so like I had some good friends that were Mormons and some, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite high school teachers was a Mormon, which got me started. And then partway through college, I was with my roommate and we, at a similar time came to the realization it's like hey there are people standing around campus who want to who claim to want to talk about Jesus and who are willing to read the Bible and who don't know Jesus like we should go talk to them we should go um, get to know them and share the gospel with them um, and we spent about six months meeting regularly with these guys and asking them questions and um, digging into what they believe and sharing what we believe and like to the point where we met with the local Mormon president or whatever, and he didn't have as good answers as one of the missionaries. One of the missionaries was, was the most solid Mormon I've ever met, like who knew their stuff, their history, and could defend it. And like he, I mean, it's not defensible, right? There were a lot of points where he just had to throw up his hands, but he was able to do it better than anyone I've ever met. Um, and Lord willing, he'll meet a Christian at college. He's in college now. Um, and, you know, all the seeds that we planted over those six months, um, he'll hear the gospel again and Lord willing come to faith and you know, that's what we pray for with all the people who share the gospel with so, uh, did, you, did you have any conversion experiences as you saw it? No. It's really, it's really hard like it's really hard ground for sure um, they uh, they really think they're Christian and, it's, and even just getting to the point where they don't think they are is really hard um it's a it's a very powerful thing. It's a very dangerous dangerous belief system, and it's growing a lot. So I'd say, yeah, be be wary, be ready. Like you're gonna meet these people at some point. It's it's growing fast. So um, I guess I can pray real quick and then close it out, and then okay, cool. I'll pray real quick and finish up. 
Um, Lord, thank you for this morning and the opportunity to uh, talk some about your gospel and about some people who are distorting it. Uh, I pray that uh, we'd be reminded of their need for your gospel as well as our own, that you'd give us opportunities to speak to people who um, don't know you and give them open hearts to hearing the gospel. Uh, I pray for the uh, missionaries that Wyatt and I were able to meet with for those months, um, that you would put Christians in their path, that you would uh, eventually call them to faith and that we would see them one day in glory. Yes. Um, yeah, I pray that there would be fruit in this work and that uh, you would call many Mormons to faith in the coming decades. Um, thank you that uh, your gospel alone is true and that the, the works of man are weak and flawed and um, uh, hopeless without you. Uh, I pray that we would trust in that more and uh, be encouragement to those around us as well to hold to the faith. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.